I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me this morning is Vicki Oliver, author of 301 Smart Answers to Tough Business Etiquette Questions. Uh, Vicki is a best-selling author and career development expert. Uh, burnout at work is now a national crisis. Uh, is now at a national crisis level. The World Health Organization recently classified workplace burnout as a disease. Burnout among one's bosses or coworkers can become contagious as stress becomes palpable and duties are dropped. It's difficult to keep one's professionalism intact and career trajectory progressing forward while navigating relationships with a mentally depleted boss or team member. Vicki Oliver shares scenarios about how office burnout manifests and strategies so that others don't Dent Your Armor, the author of five best-selling career development books. She's been featured and interviewed in the business media, including Fox, Forbes, and WSJ. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Vicki. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You know, it's interesting, Burnout at Work, and I'm thinking of the title. I was, I think I'm under the, or I have been under the misconception or false, mis, uh, a misconception that now people don't have to work five days a week in the same office, nine to five. They can work part-time at the office, part-time at home. There are many more options for, say, the millennials or Generation Z, so that that would sort of help mitigate this uh, burnout, uh, but apparently right. that's not really the case. Right. I feel like that might be a popular conception, but it's not true. And I think part of the reason is because we are on call all day long, 24-7. If your boss texts you, you feel like you must respond, you know. If you're on vacation and you get an email during that time, you feel like you must respond. And the net net of that is we're working all the time. So burnout is actually a huge problem. 28% of workers feel like they are burned out. 28% of workers feel they're burned out. And so what do they do about it? I mean, what happens? What happens to the workforce? If, if that's the feeling, uh, obviously not able to function well on the job, do they quit their jobs? You know, what's the impact on, on the business, for instance, or whatever company or where, where, whomever, whomever they're working for? Well, I think, you know, it depends on a couple of factors. It depends on what the root cause of the burnout is and also, I think, whether the person can self-diagnose. If you feel burned out and you self-diagnose it, I think you're ahead of the game because then you can say, you know what, maybe I need to take a vacation. Maybe I need to take a few days off. Maybe I need to set boundaries during the weekend so that I don't take those work related calls and emails and texts. You know, if you know you're burned out, you ha- you know, you're halfway to solving it. I think the problem, though, sometimes is that you don't really realize it maybe until it's too late. You don't want somebody else to realize it first. Oh, you're burned out. You know, you need a vacation. So give us a list. What should we, uh, you mentioned two things. I mean, maybe I shouldn't be answering my boss's emails in the middle of the night. Uh, that's a right. great example. But is there a whole list of things so that we can self-diagnose and realize, okay, I am burned out now. Of course, the next step is what to do about it. Is there? Right. Okay. Right. So I feel like the first sign of it is when you say, when you're walking into like, the office on Monday, and you just really don't want to be there, You've, you know, you just don't care, 
I think that is the beginning of it, where you say, you know what, I really don't care. I don't want to be here. I want to be back on vacation. I want to be on, you know, on the weekend. If you don't love what it is you're doing, I think you are more susceptible to it. Or if you are a complete workaholic, I think you're very susceptible to it as well. I think people know when they're mentally exhausted. And if you feel that way, you need to at least very least separate yourself from the environment. So you're talking about two uh, sort of both of those things you described, a workaholic and then somebody who doesn't care are both ends of the spectrum. So we need to have some kind of a balance. We should be sort of operating in the middle. We like what we do, but we're not driving ourselves crazy trying to do it. I think a lot of times... I think a lot, for, let's take the workaholic example. A lot of times I think burnout is a result of very much working too vigorously, you know, possibly for years, possibly, oh, they fire somebody, so you take on that person's job also in addition to your own, you know, or you take on another person's job, you know, and now you don't have an assistant to help you. So you may be wearing, you know, five different hats at the office, and that can quickly burn you out. Another cause of burnout, I feel, is more corporate. Um, A lot of companies today are struggling to keep up with the speed of technology. They're trying, but they don't feel like they're really, really on top of it. They feel like they're always playing catch-up. And sometimes just that feeling from top management down, oh, you know, we're falling behind, we're falling behind, that can also lead to high stress, which can burn people out. How do you, how do you I guess, solve that issue? Because I think that's true. That's a huge problem. They say every six months things are changing, especially when it comes to technology. And, of course, that's going to impact your work and business and your boss right. and your manager. Uh, what's the solution? I mean, part of the solution, I think, is finding a corporate environment that fits with your own personality and your own ability to be a learner. You know, it depends also at the root cause on how much you want to learn because today you can always be learning something new. You know, you can always be taking new classes and sharpening your skills. You can always be doing that. Now, if you don't want to do that, but you're in a company that insists on it, that's going to stress you out too, which can learn, which can lead to burnout as well. So there are lots of root causes. I mean, another thing I feel can just be personal. Like, For example, maybe it's not you who are burned out, but it's your boss. Maybe she's going through a terrible personal crisis. Maybe her parents are dying. Maybe she's going through a divorce. You know, I'm just, there's lots of personal situations that can become so time-consuming, dealing with lawyers and, and parents who are ill, these things, that it can burn somebody out fast when they are also trying to maintain a full workload on top of the personal problem. So what you're saying, the employee can help the boss who is also who may be burned out. Yeah, bo- bo- I actually yeah, you- think that if you're not burned out and you are working for somebody who you think is burned out, I actually think that could be an opportunity for your own advancement if you sort of play it right. But in the process, don't get burned out. <laughs> That's the whole key, right? And you've got three hundred and. One smart answers to tough business etiquette questions. Well, is that going to help us? I, of course it is. So, what are those? What are some of those smart answers? Well, 
301 Smart Answers to Tough Business Etiquette Questions examines all kinds of etiquette situations in the workplace. Um, it's not only focused on burnout, you know. If you go into an elevator and your boss is in the elevator and your boss asks you, how did that pitch session go, you know, what do you do in that circumstance? Is it okay to answer that type of question in an elevator, which is a public space, or not? This type of thing. You know, how, how do you take a client dining? And how do you eat spaghetti? You know, it, 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 it shows different etiquette situations that happen at the office that none of us have ever learned and it shows you how to navigate them with ease and poise, and it's also super fun. Right, so we're talking about eating, not answering questions yeah. in the elevator, which I have heard when I've gone into many, I'm in <laughs> New York City and going into these elevators and listening to people Absolutely. talking about things they should not be talking about because they have no idea who I know. I've been in, you know, so I may have been at the same office, but, or on the train, I that's a, another yes. example. I know people have no boundaries, you know, and that's spilling over into why we feel burned out all the time, you know. The elevator, let's talk about the new business pitch in the elevator, you know. Let's talk about it at lunch, right? But next to you is your competitor. Yeah, that's uh, no boundaries. Let's talk about no boundaries because I think that's that really, that's sort of the core of the whole thing, I I think, um, in this example that you're giving, but give us other examples of where we just aren't able, well, no boundaries is sort of what we started out in the beginning, not answering emails in the middle of the night. That's sort of no boundaries, right. isn't it? Right. Yeah. But, yeah. right. But also, for example, these uh, doorless, win, you know, windowless, doorless offices, like the cubicle culture is... That's no boundaries. You don't have any walls. You don't have any doors, right? Somebody can pop their head over your cubicle wall, you know, and summon you to a meeting. Or worse, can scream at you through the cubicle walls, you know, to step down the hallway to a meeting. This environment, it it creates, it's very high stress, and it's all the time. It's very constant, and that can burn you out. You need to sort of refresh. You need to get away and you need to refresh yourself even if it just means staying at home for a week and not going in. You have to get away from it to sort of recuperate. It's a constant but Vicki, what about if you go home and you are working part-time at home? Is that sort of representative of no boundaries as well? Because, you know, supposedly that's... Yeah, I feel it is. Yeah. I feel it is. It, you, it, you are... If you work 24-7, you are exposing your body to break down, you know, and at a certain point, you just flip the switch. It's like one day you're on and one day you're burned out, and you really want to try to avoid that. Do you think that's the reason? I know there are other reasons why millennials, we talk a lot about this, don't stay at a job for more than two or three years. Maybe that's a good thing. I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing, or is it because of burnout, or is that one of the reasons Perhaps I think it's a contributing factor, but I mean, in my experience with millennials, I feel like part of it is, well, different expectations. You know, millennials are so great at the computer and the internet and doing stuff online. And I think part of it is just that they really want faster, 
promotions. They're, they're sort of, like as a general rule, and I know this is painting everybody with a very wide brush, but as a general rule, they don't want to wait. They don't want to wait 10 years, you know, to be promoted to a position of power because they're used to instantaneously being able to fulfill what it is that they're doing, you know, because they just hop online and they can do it really fast and it speeds up their expectations. But Maybe they're working for somebody that's been there for 20 years, you know, who did pay her dues the old-fashioned way, you know, where she sort of slowly climbed up. That person's going to get irritated with somebody who walks in and wants to be promoted after six months. It's just, you know, there's going to be a clash, and I think sometimes that leads to people wanting to leave that organization. Don't you think, or do you think that that's going to actually be a major change? Because when the one, the whoever she or he is who's been there for twenty years is eventually going to get be out or die or leave or whatever, and that the whole <laughs> it change the whole picture will change because you're going to have businesses run by millennials. That's going it's going to be yes. a whole different yeah. It's going, to be much, it's going to be much faster, and it'll be a completely different world. But right now, at least what I'm hearing, there's sort of a big generational divide in companies. The old-timers who are used to in-person meetings, you know, that go on forever, and people who come in and really want a faster pace. But I do agree with you. Eventually, that's going to change. Well, I'm not a millennial and I'm a baby boomer, but, you know, when you mentioned that, those big meetings and all of that, I'm finding myself just on a personal level when somebody says, let's come in, we'll talk at the office, we'll go out for lunch. I don't want to do that anymore. I'll talk to you on Zoom. I'll talk to you on Skype. I, I just wasting my time an hour getting, I don't need, I, you know, I don't need to have lunch. I don't need to go into your offices. And that sort of crept in, I guess, in the last couple of years. But that's, I yeah, think that's a, yeah. It has, because, you know, frankly, in-person meetings are, by their very nature, very inefficient. It's inefficient, especially if it involves travel time, you know. It's inefficient to travel two hours to see somebody for, you know, 10 minutes. It is, there is built-in inefficiency. However, I feel that there is something to be gained still from those in-person connections, and that some of that has been lost by the Internet culture. You know, and that you, it might be easier to create a good lasting relationship with a client, you know, or even a boss to be there, to see the person face to face. You know, they've done experiments where people have completely flexible hours and they go in and out at some, some of these companies and, you know, it doesn't really work to completely eliminate those in-person meetings. Because people form bonds, you know, they can see. When you're standing there in front of them, they can see. Are you actually enthusiastic about the project, you know, or are you mailing it in? They can tell, and I think that that helps. I think, though, the other side of that can be sometimes when I'm doing business, and I'm, this is, you know, anecdotal, but uh, doing business online with somebody or I see them online, uh, we're just focusing on what the business is. Then when I actually meet them in person, I don't like them or they don't like me or that personal stuff isn't always positive. And so it gets, it can get in the way. Whereas if right. we don't have to deal with that, um, it works. It, it, it's okay. We can do the business. I mean, that's just the other side right. of it. I mean, you form a picture when you're, you know, we're talking on the phone right now. Do you know what I mean? And it's like yeah. we form a picture of what the other person looks like, 
you know. And sometimes when you meet somebody in person, it's very different. It's quite different than what you're expecting. And sometimes that's a jolt, you know. But I also feel, you know, it, it can be a good bonding tool, I think, in the beginning of a relationship to actually sit down with a person, you know, coffee, a meeting, an in-person lunch, something, so that you can decide really whether or not you want to pursue a business relationship with that person. Yeah, it's, uh, as we say, I think that's something that's in the process of changing. I guess the rules are changing in these in, in different business situations and different corporations. Yeah, one of the things you just said is one of, um, sort of to help protect yourself from burnout is to make sure that you're working for the right company that's a fit for you. Can you describe yeah. that? And, and then at what point you say, you know, I like the work I'm doing, but I don't think the way this company goes about it really fits me. It's, it's, it's right. It, yeah. Right. I mean, for, so I also write books about job hunting and, I feel that it's really a great idea to diagnose yourself, you know. Do you want to go into an office environment at 9 o'clock in the morning and leave at 5 o'clock every single day, you know? Do you have children that you want to spend time with? Do you want um, a rigid working hours or do you want more flexibility? Um, Do you want to work with people who have similar skills to your own or do you want to work in an environment where people have different skills and they're all contributing, you know, to a whole Do you want a company that gives you lifelong learning opportunities, for example, to go back to school or to get more, uh, like, you know, to be certified, to become certified, to get another degree? These are the types of questions where you can sort of figure out the culture that you want, that you feel will fit you. And I believe that if you find, it's sort of like a marriage, you know, you're trying to find um, a situation that fits you, you know. Now, if you, on the other hand, are retrofitting yourself to a culture that can also cause high stretch, which can also lead to burnout, you know. So it just depends. I think, you know, the better you know yourself, the better, the more honest you are with yourself, I think it will lead to situations, work situations that are more productive for you. Yeah, so that's really important. You graduate from college or law school or business school or what? It's not just sending out those resumes and getting the highest, let's say, the best salary or the best benefits because you may not end up staying there. Anyway, unless you really take a look at yourself is what you're saying and understanding where you're coming from and what your needs are besides the the dollar or whatever the salary is. Exactly. I mean, right. So um, I was hugely influenced um, by by a book um, called What Color Is Your Parachute? And, you know, that the thesis of that is to go and create a job, which sometimes is not possible, right? But like to create your own position, and it sort of asks you to do a lot of work on yourself first before you ever look and to figure out, like, what are your skill sets, you know? What do you want to do? What do you want to do in five years? How long do you want to work? Do you want to work till you're 65, you know? Or do you have dreams of retiring when you're 35? You know what I'm saying? So 
to figure out all those things takes a little bit of looking inner inwards first. Look at yourself first. And then what you want to do is through, if you're looking for a job, what you want to do is through your contacts, your connections, your in-depth research into companies, you want to figure out, oh, I feel like I can see myself at this company, you know? And when you make that determination first, it also helps in all your communications to them too because you can really make the case, you know? Like if they have a problem and you feel like you can help solve it, like you can make the case about how you can fit in their environment, and it will help you get that job. It will help you get attract jobs to you that you belong in. So that's part of it, you know. Vicki, so what about, can you go online and get this information? Let's say there's company X, Y, and Z. You go online and you do the research. Is there any particular way to do the research so, so you could understand how, how, the operating system for each one of these companies? Or let's say you're a lawyer and you're law firms and you're looking at different law firms, um, right. small town, medium town, big corporate law, whatever. But so how do you, how, is there a way to approach the research so that you really know where these these businesses are coming yeah. from? Yeah, I think there is. I mean, in my book, um, it's called 301 Smart Answers to Tough Interview Questions. Uh, you know, I advocate first, try to find somebody who works there that you either know or maybe you are linked in with a person through LinkedIn. Uh, maybe you can find a connection to somebody who actually works there. And then I would try to ask them for an informational 15 minutes of their time to talk to you. Most people are generous with their time for this type of thing for an informational interview if they feel like it won't take too long. You know, if it's 15 minutes and a cup of coffee and you want to take them to the cup of coffee, I think you'll get far. So I would try to reach out to actual people who work there. Now, if you can't, if you cannot navigate to an actual person who works there, there are other things. You know, you can go on vault.com and look up, like, companies. You can ask people who work in competitive companies what it's like to work there. There's all kinds of research you can do, plus... If you have an interview coming up, you can Google that person, you can go online, you can figure out if you know acquaintances who know that person, you can figure out if that person wrote articles, sometimes they have, and you can figure out a lot of stuff about a corporate culture if you just really do the homework. So the first thing I always say is, let's say... If you have a job interview coming up and you have a choice on the dates of when it comes up, don't take the interview that's tomorrow, you know. You want, it, you want to because you want it to be over with. That's a mistake. Take the one that's the furthest out so that you can do your homework on that place and really do a fantastic job in person. So if you don't do that and you don't do the research, it really is your choice and your, quote, fault uh, if you just go headlong into accepting a job and, and really not do exa- exactly as you're describing because the information is out there. Those are really good examples. Um, yeah, the information is there. And the other thing is, even from the standpoint of getting the job, okay, somebody that you're competing with will do that kind of a deep dive into the research. So when you walk in and you haven't done it, you're not giving yourself the best shot for getting the job. 
Yeah. So there, there are really no excuses. <laughs> we only have a couple minutes left. This has been really great information. And obviously, uh, my audience should read your book, 301 Smart Answers to Tough Business Etiquette Questions, because we haven't covered 301. We did as no. much as we could. <laughs> in, in also, in my t- books, I'm always like, I can't do 301. I mean, you know, I, there are more than that. But if I still haven't answered it, you know, reach out to me and ask me your question. Great. All right. Give us some websites we can go to to find more information about the book and you. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. The book is 301 Smart Answers to Tough Business Etiquette Questions. My name is Vicki Oliver. My website is Vicki, V-I-C-K-Y, Oliver.com, where there's more information. And also my books are available on Amazon and in other bookstores where places are sold. Where books are sold, sorry. <laughs> where books are sold, right. And you have, as you said, written several... <laughs> You've written lots of other books as well. Vicki, thanks so much for being on the show today. Great talking to you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Mm-hmm. 